A warning. In this episode, we mention some things that may be triggering to some listeners and may not be appropriate for young ears. Just out of high school, Casey Merriman had her first near-death experience. I didn't know about the resources that were out there. I didn't really think that I deserved to use those resources. This is Two Lives, stories of people who have faced darkness and how those incidents changed the trajectory of their lives. From KJZZ Original Productions, I'm Laura Morales. At 19 years old, Casey Merriman was in a sexually abusive relationship and didn't know who to turn to for help. I really didn't have any hope. I didn't see a a future. One morning, Casey woke up with severe abdominal pain. She'd never had cramps like this before. So she went to see a doctor, and it turned out she had an ectopic pregnancy, and she didn't even know she was pregnant. An ectopic pregnancy is when the fertilized egg implants outside the uterus, and it can't survive outside the uterus. So if you let it grow, which Casey inadvertently was doing, it could damage your organs and you could lose so much blood that you die. But beyond the physical and mental toll that that took on, there were all these other layers around kind of my family and lack of support. Casey didn't feel like she could go to any of the adults in her life. I really didn't think that I was going to survive. I didn't know if I could allow myself to survive. I did genuinely contemplate suicide. Casey felt so much shame around what had happened, from the abuse to the pregnancy, but something, she doesn't really know what, stopped her from going through with killing herself. There are these moments that we just decide, consciously or not, to bury something so we can move on. We're sort of hardwired to want to avoid pain. Jamie Castillo owns Find Your Shine Therapy. She specializes in trauma and says those moments don't go away. It's really a disorder of time. We know that we have memories that are stored as trauma memories when our brain is registering them as a current threat, even though they're a past threat. And if we don't deal with that trauma, our brains continue to register threats that don't actually exist. So really, it continues to act as if a past threat is a current threat. So that creates a lot of inner conflict. For Casey, it was all-consuming. Because you basically feel like you're at war with your own brain and you can never turn it off and you can never escape it. You don't sleep. I mean, it it just, it's all-consuming. Flash forward a decade. Casey got married and had a kid with a different guy. She moved to Phoenix for his job. A few years ago, she flew back to Houston for a work trip she decided to go to a bar she'd been to many times before. She was sipping her drink and checking her phone, not really paying attention to anything but her screen. At some point, um, I went to the bathroom and someone drugged my drink and I was raped. It really dug up all the other things I had been through. 
I just thought that the anxiety, the depression, like the severe PTSD, I, I had, I thought it was just going to basically wear me out. Like I was just going to die of stress. This time was different. She got some help. I knew that time I'm not, I'm not going to lose to this. I had trauma-specific PTSD therapy support groups, and it was literally a, a lifesaver. Licensed social worker Jamie Castillo says establishing safety is the first step. And then in some form or another, it requires revisiting that trauma and helping our brains integrate the memory in a way that's similar to maybe the memory of what I ate for breakfast last Wednesday. It doesn't have any emotional charge because it's integrated into my long-term memory in a way that doesn't keep popping up and affecting us every single day or every single second. Castillo says it's her goal to help people like Casey see that while these terrible things did happen, you do not have to be defined by them. It's to not be controlled by my past experiences any longer. I can acknowledge that it happened to me, but it's not my entire story. It was during this time, this year of intense therapy, that Casey realized she wanted a divorce. I wasn't going to mentally heal if I had stayed in that relationship. And it was a really difficult decision to make. You know, I didn't really know anyone here. Then, not looking for a relationship, she met Rich Merriman, who Casey describes as quick-witted, creative, and kind. You know, I even jokingly told him, you know, when he first kind of asked me out, like, oh, you know, I'm not, I promise this isn't a euphemism for not being interested. I just not sure if I'm, you know, ready, but I took it back, and that was a good decision. <laughs> um, a year after they'd met, they got married. Casey and her ex-husband, had decided on joint custody of their daughter, Natalie. When COVID hit the U.S., this made things complicated. We both recognized that we needed to act as if we were the same household from a risk perspective. We're very much of the view that we would act conservatively together. Casey was especially worried about Rich, who is a cancer survivor and therefore immunocompromised, and more vulnerable. So they stayed home, ordered groceries online. If they did go out, they wore masks. When we would do things like uh, ride bikes, we would go to more secluded areas. Going left. Oh, I see. Okay. My ex-husband was starting to go into his office and they were following proper protocols. A COVID-positive co-worker who was asymptomatic came to the office and sat in on a meeting. Days later, Casey got a phone call from her ex-husband. He was COVID-positive. Natalie caught it from her dad and gave it to her mom and Rich. Natalie and her dad hadn't shown any symptoms. What do you do when your worst-case scenario happens? Rich started feeling achy and ran a fever. Meanwhile, Casey was developing symptoms far worse than his. It was like feeling like I was in a compression chamber. Just my whole head just felt like it was kind of heaving in, and that was uh, punctuated by these extremely sharp uh, stabbing pains that 
were bad enough where I was in a meeting for work and I couldn't even make out what the person talking to me was saying. Like it just garbled because my head was in such pain. And then my chest started hurting. Casey took time off work and on the fourth day, she started feeling better. It was a huge relief. The following morning, the symptoms were back with a vengeance. The pain was that in the left. I mean, it was just awful. I was having a hard time completing sentences. I was just in so much pain. It was becoming tiring to, to breathe. I was trying to stay calm. You know, I started crying. It's just, a, it's inevitably, it's a scary sensation. And, and I'm even sitting there rationally knowing this isn't helping, <laughs> calm down, you know, try But I just, I couldn't, it's like I couldn't almost just like reach out and like grab my breath. Rich drove her to the hospital. Casey thought she was dying, but she put on a brave face for Natalie. You know, my daughter's in the car. I can't talk, so I can't explain to her what's going on. When they finally arrived in the hospital parking lot, Casey looked at them not knowing when or if she'd see them again. So you're having to like attempt to say goodbye. You have no idea what's on the other side. I was scared that that I wasn't gonna come out. Yeah, I can't even imagine what that would have been like. Once inside the hospital, it was like stepping into a dream. It was odd to not ever see a full face. I was wearing my mask. I had to wear it even when I couldn't breathe. A tad to the surrealness, you know, I'm having to use my phone to, to text my husband to let him know what's going on. Turns out her oxygen levels were okay. Her airway wasn't closing. The shortness of breath was pain-driven. She was so physically fatigued she couldn't keep breathing. The medical team tried to figure out if she had blood clots in her lungs that were causing the pain, but her test didn't show any. I was scared. The characteristics of how I felt were unlike anything I had ever felt before. The nurses gave her fluids, a sedative, steroids, pain medicine, all to try to get her breathing under control. It worked. She could finally breathe again. So they gave her a prescription for an inhaler and discharged her the same night. The hospital was full of COVID patients. They needed her bed. Casey hasn't forgotten that moment, the relief she felt when she could finally get air into her lungs. I know it may sound like cliche, but the clarity of being able to breathe again is just, talk about something we all take for granted, you know? (laughs) I talked to Casey just two weeks after she'd been discharged from the hospital, so she was still recovering. My body definitely uh, still kind of feels the effects of when it was at its worst. You know, I'm just very tight and very sore, just kind of felt beat up. I am tired talking to you right now. I hope that goes away. I have more questions for you, but I'm going to hold on to them. That would be good. We decided to schedule another interview when she had more energy. Casey wore a headset this time, which explains why she sounded a little clearer. Last week I was feeling better, so. Well, good. Yeah, yeah. It had been a month since her trip to the hospital and she had had time to think about what happened. 
she wanted to dispel myths about the virus. So she did what most of us do when we have something to say these days. She went on Facebook. I think that maybe that there's this misconception that if you don't fit in certain categories, that you have no risk. And that's just not the case. Casey was super fit, riding her bike almost every day before catching the virus. It's frustrating because if, if someone is wanting to take care of themselves, it still requires other people to buy in, you know, like wearing a mask. I think people treat it like, well, it's my decision. It's like, okay, well, it is, but it doesn't mean that the consequences of that are limited to yourself. After everything that Casey has been through, with all that she's survived, it doesn't seem fair that she was the one who got this nasty disease. It's that that journey that has given me that perspective. Trauma therapist Jamie Castillo says, Casey is like a mountain now. No matter the weather, there may be sunny days or thunderstorms. But all throughout it, the mountain remains standing tall. It's unwavering. It doesn't crumble because of the different weather. And so we're like the mountain and our emotions are like the weather. And so healing means that we become more like that mountain where we can withstand anything, you know, we can endure. I told Casey where the idea of the podcast comes from. The idea that we're all given two lives. The second one starts the moment we realize we only have one. I mean, that really stuck with me. I honestly, after we were done talking, I was like tearing, tearing up after because it resonated so, so strongly with me. That idea that I'm firmly in this second life. I'm gonna take this. Ah, okay. Drizzle the hot sugar mixture down the side of the bowl on medium speed. All right. What could go wrong? Everything. <laughs> I asked Casey what went through her mind when she found out she was having a girl. I was so terrified. I was like, how do I prepare her for the world and hope that she doesn't ever have to go through those things? Out of these life experiences that you've had, what what would you want her to learn that you had to learn the hard way? It's that like respect of self that you deserve to have someone treat you with respect and others deserve that from you. It was a complete lack of self-confidence and hope that someone would recognize that I had some value that laid the groundwork for someone to take advantage of that. So how do you learn that confidence if you don't have adults in your life that believe in you? For Casey, it starts with boundaries and that's what she's teaching Natalie. Sometimes it can be sad and there can be a sense of loss, but sometimes you have to let relationships go. The other thing that Casey wants her daughter to know is that no matter what, she can always come to her with a problem. Literally can be a matter of life and death to know that you have someone who you can go to that is going to accept whatever you tell them. Because that that's what I didn't have and that just so complicated everything. This is Two Lives from KJZZ Original Productions. I'm Laurel Morales. Next time on the podcast, 
Mike and Anna have endured great challenges, not the least of which was coming head to head with the grizzly bear. It jumps back down off of the tree onto the trail facing us and comes in a full charge. He just goes, run! (laughs) And "Ah!" I'm like, okay, I'm out of here. (laughs) That's next time on Two Lives. Download at kjzz.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like it, please share it with your friends and leave a review.